We've been talking about becoming better Bible students and learning how to read the Bible in a more transformative way. So I thought we'd start off this morning with a little Bible quiz. By the way, I thought this was really funny. Holly told me not to tell this joke, but uh, so if it doesn't go over well, you can agree with her. But uh, so who was the greatest female business person in the Bible? It was Pharaoh's daughter. You know why? She went down to the bank of the Nile and she drew out a little prophet. (laughs) See, I thought it was funny too. Uh, Or how about this one? A Bible class teacher asked her Bible class what they knew about King Solomon. Uh, One of the little boys raised his hand and he said, I know that Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. But we've been talking about the Bible and how to study the Bible. And again, how to study the Bible in a more transformative way. So that when we go to God's Word, we leave a different person than when we started. We talked about two weeks ago the importance of humility when we study the Bible. That we need to have the humility to accept biblical truth no matter the cost. That we have to be willing to say, if this is true, then that means I need to change. I need to change my way of thinking, my way of talking, my way of living, and I need to bring myself into submission to King Jesus. We talked about last week that the Bible is not just a book. The Bible is a library of 66 books. In fact, it's written by 40 different authors over the course of about 2,000 years in three different languages. And the books of the Bible are different genres. And so we really have to approach it like a library. We have to, as we talked about last week, we have to study books more than verses. There's nothing wrong with verses of the Bible so long as we're asking ourselves, what's the context? How does this verse fit into the context of this book of the Bible? What was the author's train of thought? What was he trying to get across? What was his premise? What arguments was he making? And we understand how that verse fits into the larger context of the book. So we approach the Bible with humility. We study books more than we do verses. And this morning, we're going to talk about the importance of seeing the big picture of the Bible. So the question is, do you see the big picture? Do you see how this verse fits into the context of the book, but also how the book fits into this story, this epic narrative from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible? That's what's so amazing about it is, although it really is a library of 66 different books, this library of books makes up one Story. As we said last week, it's a story about God and being God's covenant people. So we have to ask ourselves when we're studying a verse of the Bible and we're asking ourselves, what does this mean? How does this apply to me? How do I put this into practice in my life? What principles am I supposed to draw from it? In order to do that, we have to see the big picture. We have to understand what the Bible is all about. What story is being told? So again, do you see the big picture of the Bible? In our Wednesday night class, in my Wednesday night class, we're talking about being human. And we're talking a lot about the book of Genesis and what the book of Genesis teaches us about being a human being and how God created us and what does that mean to live a good human life? What does God expect of his human creations that were made in his image. And so we see the creation in Genesis 1 and 2. Then we see the fall and how man chose to usurp God's authority, seize control of the knowledge of good and evil. 
how men begin to do what is right in their own eyes and disregard what God says is wrong and mankind falls. And then we talk about how man populated the earth and how our wickedness grew more and more and more. The writer of Genesis says that the world is filled with violence. Isn't that what we see in humanity so very often? That when people decide, I'm going to do what's right in my eyes. I'm going to do what's right for me and my people group. And I don't care what you think is right or wrong. Or I don't care how this hurts you and your people group. I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. Rather than letting the creator define what is right and wrong. And so the world becomes so wicked and evil that it says that the thoughts and intentions of their heart were evil and wicked all of the time. And so God washes the world clean and preserves one family, right? Noah and his family through the flood. And then we see how Noah and his family grew and grew and grew. In fact, chapter 10 of Genesis, we see over and over again, these words are used, clans and nations. Chapter 10 and verse 5, the clans and nations of Japheth, that's one of Noah's sons, the clans and nations of Ham, Chapter 10 and verse 20, uh, that's another one of his sons. The clans and nations of Shem, chapter 10 and verse 31. So again, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, their clans and their nations. We read in chapter 10 and verse 32, these are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations, and from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. So you see how it's described, these clans or families and nations that came from Noah and how they spread all over the world. And then in chapter 11, we see the story of the Tower of Babel and how God spread them abroad over the earth. So if we're just reading along in the Bible, then we know in chapter 11, we're introduced to a man by the name of Abram or later Abraham. And, and, and we start to follow and we realize that the Old Testament is really about his family, right? The Israelites, the Jews. And, and you might be tempted to think that God is really only concerned with the Israelites. That really God is only concerned with the Jews. That we kind of forget about the rest of humanity. But I think if we do that, if we make that mistake, it surely is a mistake that many have made. But I think that if we make that mistake to think that God is really only concerned with this group of people, then we're missing the bigger picture. In fact, we're missing one of the greatest themes of the Bible. And this is what it is to see the big picture of the Bible. It's to be able to trace the themes from Genesis to Revelation and to see how it's all tied together. In your life group today, you're going to life group today, hopefully, right? So at your life group today, this is what we're going to work on, is to look at the themes and trace them through Scripture. Now, we're going to look this morning, especially at Genesis, look at chapter 12 and verse 1. After we're introduced to Abraham, this is what God says to Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Do you see that? So God says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, I'm going to bless you. Why? Why is God going to bless Abraham? So that he can be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. In other words, your friends going to be my friends. Your enemies are going to be my enemies. You're going to be my people. To what end? 
And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, this is one of the themes of the Bible. This is what we trace throughout from beginning to the end. That God isn't just concerned about Abraham and his family. He picked Abraham and his family, the Israelites, the Jews that descended from him, to be a blessing to the whole world. That through Abraham's family, the entire world, the clans and the nations would be blessed. You see that in verse 3. In you all the families... I'm not sure why they chose a different word there, but chapter 10, that same Hebrew word is translated clans. All the clans, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. We're not told how yet, but we know that through Abraham, the plan is all these descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all of these clans, families, nations, people groups, countries, all of these people that have spread out all over the world and that are hurting themselves hurting each other, killing each other, doing horrible things to each other and to God and dishonoring God, that God loves them and has a plan to bless them through Abraham and his descendants. Now, look at Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. Remember this story, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how evil and wicked they had become and God was going to destroy them. And the Lord said, verse 17, "'Shall I hide from Abraham?' What I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now look at Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 through 18. Uh, You remember the story when God tells Abraham to take his son, his only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him. And now Abraham knew that this was the promised son. This is the one through whom the blessings were going to come true and he would become a mighty nation and his descendants would be numerous. But God tells him to sacrifice Isaac and of course he goes to do that and God stops him from doing it and saves Isaac in a sense, raises him from the dead. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies and in your offspring, that is in your seed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So it wasn't just that God is promising, hey, I'm going to do great things for you, Abraham, and I'm going to do great things for your children, Abraham, and I'm going to make your descendants numerous, and I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to make you a nation. All those things were true, but to what end? That in your offspring, I will be able to bless all the nations of mankind. And we need to keep this in mind as we read each and every passage in the Bible. We need to remember this was the plan. This is really what it's all about, that God picked Abraham and Abraham's family so that in his offspring, and again, we don't know yet how that's going to happen, or as we're reading the story, we don't know yet. Hopefully we know, but, but we don't know yet how that's going to happen. But God is saying to Abraham that in your offspring, I'm going to bless every clan and every family 
Every tribe, every nation, every people group is going to be blessed in your seed, in your offspring. And then he repeats the same promise to Isaac later, Genesis 26, 4 and 5. Genesis 26, 4 and 5. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Okay, so Abraham had Isaac. God made the promise to Abraham. He repeated the promise to Isaac. Then Isaac has a promised son, Jacob, and God repeats the promise to Jacob. Look at Genesis 28 and verse 14. 28, 14. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families, all the clans of the earth be blessed. Again, that's how the story starts out. And as we read on from Genesis to Exodus and how the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, are slaves in Egypt and are delivered by Moses out of Egyptian slavery and they cross the Red Sea and eventually under Joshua they come into the Promised Land. So as we read Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua, and Judges, and Ruth. And as we read these books, let us keep in mind this theme. That God started everything off in this way. Was that you're not the only nation in the world. You're not the only tribe in the world. You're not the only clan, the only family in the world. But I picked you. And I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to love you in a special way. And I'm going to have a special relationship with you. I'm going to bless you. For what purpose? That all the nations and all the tribes and all the clans and all the families would be blessed in your offspring, in your descendant. And then we, we get all the way to the New Testament. And here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. Galatians 3 and verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. What's gospel mean? <laughs> gospel is the good, what? News. Good news, right? The good news about Jesus. That Paul is saying here that the book of Genesis preaches, proclaims the good news long before Jesus ever showed up. The gospel was proclaimed beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So how? Jesus is the offspring. And, and again, Paul says in Galatians, he says that God told Abraham that the nations, the tribes, the, the, the clans would be blessed in your seed. Not seeds, plural, but seed, singular, that being Jesus the Messiah. But how so? How are we blessed? How are the nations, the Gentiles, the clans, the tribes blessed in the Messiah? Acts chapter 3 and verse 26 says that he blesses all the nations by turning people away from their wickedness. Isn't that true? Can't we see that? How the gospel has gone out to the world 
how it started in Jerusalem and how it's gone out. It went to Samaria and it went to Judea and it went all throughout the known world at that time and now it's crossed the ocean and how people now know about the God of heaven and they know what is right and wrong, not because they figured it out on their own, but because the gospel has come to us because we've seen Jesus, because we know Jesus, he turns us away from our wickedness. So through the seed of Abraham, all the nations, all the tribes, all the clans, all the families of the earth are being blessed because we're being turned away from our wickedness. But Paul says here in Galatians that he also blesses us by justifying us by faith in him, that God justifies us by us putting our faith in Jesus the Christ. What does that mean, to be justified? It means to be made right, to be made righteous, to be made like you hadn't ever sinned, to have your record of debt erased, to have all of your sins forgiven and blotted out and washed away. Isn't that amazing? That from the very beginning, from the time even before God made the promise to Abraham, in fact, Ephesians chapter 1 says, even before the foundation of the world, this was God's plan, that he would take Abraham and Abraham's family, and that through that family, he would bring his son into the world that would turn people away from their wickedness, and that he would die a sacrificial death on the cross so that people could be justified by faith in Jesus the Christ, and that he would raise from the dead so that the nations and the clans and the tribes would have hope of our own resurrection. So you say, well, Wes, what what does that have to do with reading the Bible in a transformative way? Well, because we need to ask, when we read any passage of the Bible, how does this passage proclaim the good news? That's what Paul says in Galatians, isn't it? That Genesis proclaims the good news. It proclaimed the gospel about Jesus beforehand. And so when you read a passage of the Bible, when you're reading in Philippians, or you're reading in Judges, or you're reading in Leviticus, or you're reading wherever, you need to ask yourself, if you want to understand that passage and be transformed by that passage, how does this passage proclaim the good news about Jesus? Sometimes it proclaims the good news about Jesus by revealing to us how much we need a Savior. You read through the book of Judges, I love the book of Judges. We just got done studying that on Sunday mornings, didn't we? And you read through Judges, and what does Judges show us? How does Judges proclaim our need for a Savior? Because it shows us what Israel was like when everybody did what was right in his own what eyes, right? When everybody does what's right in their own eyes, they're wicked, and they're violent, and they hurt each other, and they dishonor God. That's what it's like when people do what is right in their own eyes. And every time we see how wicked and how evil and how corrupt Israel becomes, we're reminded that that's the way all humanity is when we do what is right in our own eyes. And it it leaves you longing for God, for Yahweh to be the king. That's, That's what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, when you read through Judges, the writer keeps saying there was no king in Israel. There was supposed to be a king in Israel, wasn't there? God was supposed to be the king in Israel. And one day, one day, God would show up in the flesh 
to be king. Not just to be king of Israel, but to be king over the nations, the clans and the tribes, that he might be lifted up and all people, all nations be drawn to him. So when we read Judges and we read really weird stories about Levites and porcupines, I mean concubines, and you know, you, you read those stories and you think, what's that all about? I'll tell you what that's all about. It's all about the gospel. And it's all about how when you do what's right in your own eyes, wickedness and evil is the result. And you need a king. And you need to bring yourself in submission to a king. And so sometimes we read a passage of the Bible and it proclaims the gospel by showing us our need for Jesus. And sometimes it proclaims the gospel by giving us a foreshadow of Jesus. We talked a few weeks ago in our deep dive class on Samson about how Samson... He's kind of a weird guy, isn't he? I mean, you know, he, he just does all kinds of stuff. And you think, man, what were you thinking? You're supposed to be the good guy. And half the time he looks like the bad guy. But as you read through that story, you catch little glimpses. In fact, I asked the class the other night. I said, okay, w- would you say that, that Samson's birth was announced by angels to his parents or by an angel to his parents? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Um, was Samson's mother able to have children naturally before before the angel announced the birth of Samson? No. So would you say that his birth was miraculous? Yeah. So Samson had a miraculous birth that was announced by an angel. What Was he betrayed by his Israelite brethren? Yes. In fact, he was betrayed to death. They gave him over to the Philistines to be killed, to be executed. Isn't that interesting? Miraculous birth announced by an angel to his parents and then turned over to the occupying force to be executed. Was he betrayed by someone close to him? Sure, absolutely. Did he stretch out his arms in faith and give up his life to defeat his enemies? Yeah, he did, right? It's almost a picture of Jesus, isn't it? So that when Jesus shows up, we say, oh, I get it. I get it. Jesus is like Samson, only better. I get it. Jesus is like Moses, only better. Jesus is like Joshua, only better. Jesus is like David, only better. Jesus is like Nehemiah, only better. He's like Esther, only better. He's like Boaz, only better. And you can see that this is all a part of the same story. Because God began the story by telling Abraham, it's going to be through your descendant that I am going to bless all nations of mankind. But so often when we're reading the Bible, we lose sight of that big picture. And we pull out a verse here or a verse there. And it doesn't have the impact or the meaning that it should have. One of my favorite verses to pick on is Jeremiah 29.11. You know that verse? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. It's good, isn't it? Beautiful passage of Scripture. But I'm afraid that sometimes we we lose the, the power that it should have. Because we pull it out of the big story of the Bible. Because if you were reading Jeremiah 29, you kind of zoom out from that verse. You realize that what Jeremiah is talking about there, what God is talking through Jeremiah to those people about, is that they're in captivity and bondage. They're slaves. And they're going to be slaves for 70 years. And God is saying, get used to it. You know, settle in a little bit because you're going to be here a while. And many of you are going to die in captivity. But I haven't forgotten you. And I haven't forgotten my promises to you. And I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem. And I'm going to prosper you. And we say, wait, 
Well, that takes the fun out of it. What does that mean for me now? How can I use that passage? Well, don't you see the big picture? The whole reason he chose Abraham's family is so that they could be a blessing to all the nations through Jesus. That's why when they were in Babylonian captivity and they were being punished for their sins, God says, I haven't given up on you. I know the plans I have for you. This plan that I have for you, I've had since before the world was even created. I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem. And I'm still going to bring my seed into the world And He's still going to bless all nations of mankind through you. I haven't given up on you. I haven't given up on my plan for you. And church, look at us now. We are living out that story, aren't we? We are the nations who have been turned away from our wickedness because of the example of Jesus. We are the nations who have been redeemed. We are the nations who have been justified by faith in Jesus the Christ. And I look around the auditorium this morning and I think about our first service and I think about the people that are in here now and we are from different clans, aren't we? We're from different families and different nations. Our ancestors may have come from North America. They may have come from South America. They may have come from Europe. They may have come from Africa. They may have come from Asia or from India or from Australia. Our ancestors are from everywhere. We're made up of every clan and every tribe and every nation. Why? Because the seed of Abraham has come into the world and has blessed us, has turned us from our wickedness, has forgiven us our sins, and has brought us together as one big family. And we have to read the Bible in light of that. We have to read the Bible in light of that big narrative, that big epic story, because we're living that out. You see, when you were baptized into Jesus, if you've been baptized into Jesus, then you began participating in the same story that Abraham was a part of. You began participating in the same story that Moses was a part of. You began participating in the same story as Samson and David and and Nehemiah and Esther and, and Paul and Peter and Barnabas because you began to be participating in the story of Jesus. And when we read a passage of Scripture, let's keep the big picture in mind. We we ask some, some questions sometimes, don't we? We get caught up in the details. We miss the forest for the trees. When you read the Bible, have the humility to accept biblical truth no matter the cost. Read books, not just verses. And keep in mind the big picture of the Bible. How does this passage proclaim the good news about Jesus? How does it show a need for Jesus? How does it point forward to Jesus? Or how does it, if it's in the New Testament, point backward to the cross and forward to Jesus' return? Because church, everything has to be read and lived out in that light that I am a part of the story of how God used the family of Abraham to bless all the nations. And we're living out that multi-ethnic, multicultural picture that was in God's mind's eye before the foundation of the world. But maybe there's somebody here this morning and you haven't begun participating in that story. And we'd encourage you to do that, to come to Jesus. Let Jesus turn you away from your wickedness. Let him justify you and make you right. Erase all of your sins through his blood and make you a part of his family this family that's made up of every tribe and every clan and every family and every nation all over the world and be a part of the story of Scripture.
If we can help you in any way this morning, whether to become a part or just pray for you, encourage you, there's a room in the back after services. Elders would love to meet with you and pray with you. You can come forward. We're in this together. We're part of the same story. And we want to help you any way we can. Come forward as we stand and sing.